Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Brad had started a series last week, and it's you know understanding the new you. You know we get we get saved, and we're uh, sometimes it's fresh. We're trying to figure things out, and now what? And some things that. Uh, Love you, Mr. Ward. And I just want to touch a little bit today on three things that the the spirit man in you, the spirit will start to desire that the enemy will want to combat. He'll want to fight. This new you is going to say, okay, there's a new way I want to live. And the enemy's going like, ah, I don't want you to do that. Nope, that's not good because that's going to defeat everything I'm trying to do. And the first area I want to touch on is gossip and slander. Two very similar things, but we'll get into a minute, like, what's the difference is. So we're going to start in Proverbs. I had a few things out of Proverbs this week. Who loves Proverbs? You can open up to anywhere in Proverbs and read a line or two, and you'll be like, And sometimes you'll need to be like, what does that mean? And you'll need to dig in because Solomon was way beyond his years of wisdom. So two, two scriptures out of Proverbs. Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. In Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. I saw it, what really prompted me this week, I saw it in action, um, where someone kind of intervened in a, in a conversation that they really didn't have any parts of, and then once they heard some information in that conversation, it kind of put them in a compromising position where now they kind of had to wonder, do I have to deal with that or not? And if you just would have stayed out of the conversation, it wouldn't have hurt you. So, example of this, because as, let's, let's face it, let's, let's be 100% real. By nature, us all humans, we are, we are drawn to gossip and drama. We all are, some of us more than others. But we really just have this desire to want to be busybodies, to know it all, to know what's the scuttlebutt, what's going on. And then you want to be the first to know, so you can be the first to tell. Be honest, how many times has someone said to you, listen, just between me and you? And you go, okay. And then you're going, oh, God, i got to tell somebody. I'll tell someone else that won't tell anybody. And then you do the same thing. Promise not to tell anybody even though you're doing the thing you said you wouldn't do, so then you're expecting them to not do it. Domino effect. And pretty soon, the stories went from this to this. And just, I mean, I'm just, I was going to use Phil and Autumn, they're not here, so I'll use Ray and Crystal. 
all of a sudden, there's a group over here, and I hear Ray's name. They're talking about Ray. And I'm like, oh, I, I want to know what's... And your spirit man will start to tell you, don't do it, man. Just stay away. The, the, what you don't know ain't going to hurt you. Don't, don't get in the middle of that. But your flesh is still going, yeah, but I want to know. Man, I want to know. And then you got that. And Fred, by the way, I meant to start with this. Fred did an excellent illustration last week, if you didn't watch it, on the spirit, soul, body. How we're all compromised of the same, you know, we're, we, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we're housed in a body. And when you... When you're getting saved and you're doing this walk, your spirit man wants to start making all the right decisions. He's like, listen to me. And your flesh is still going, no, 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 I still want to stay in all this. And the soul is the tennis match going, making the decisions. That's where your will, your emotions are set. So it's, it's the one saying, okay, I'm going to choose this, I'm going to choose this. So when you get saved, actually, it's, it becomes a challenge. I mean, your flesh wants to still have a say. And your soul now is caught going like, well, I mean, it's not that bad, is it? Okay, no, 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 I want to do the right thing. So anyway, back to this where, so I got, there's gossip going on over here, and I hear Ray's name, and I'm like, oh, I want to know. And then you, you'll kind of hide behind the fact of, well, I'm friends with Ray, so I want to know what they're saying. And then they say something that's very, like, questionable. Man, did you see Ray hanging out with that girl the other day? Uh-oh, I wish I wouldn't have heard that. Because now... You're caught in that moral dilemma. Oh crap! Do I, do I tell Ray what I heard? What if it really wasn't anything? I don't know who the girl was. They didn't say anything happened, but I feel this friend obligation to tell him. Well, this is what I heard, and then I go and say something, or I say Crystal, or I tell Christine, and all of a sudden it gets back to Ray, and Ray's like, that was like. A coworker girl that we were blah blah. It was it was absolutely nothing. But in the midst of all this, it became. Because let's face it, sometimes when you tell when you retell a story, it's kind of boring. So what do you do? You add an extra detail. You add an extra little line to it. I mean, you want people's ears to be tickled. You don't just say then you know like. We want, we crave the attention. We crave the ears just glued into our story. That's why, I mean, some people are great storytellers. Sometimes they add a little flair to it. But what happens is if, if, I, if I give in to that, that was really nothing, and I start... Talking, and all of a sudden it gets back to rain, and it's created a mountain. Now there's doubt in Crystal's head. What? Well, how do I know? It wasn't anything. Yeah, but how do I know? Why would they say something? Exactly. Why would they say something? Gossip can, can, can sometimes also be the truth. We hide behind that too. I was just telling the truth. But it's truth that doesn't need to be shared. And if someone comes up to me and confides in me that they're struggling with whatever and they're, they're having like suicidal thoughts, whatever, I don't need to go telling people. It's the truth, but I still don't need to go sharing that. I don't need people going to look at them like, dude, what's that? That's gossip. Gossip can be the truth, 
But sometimes it's truth that's... I always think of Jesus, the woman at the well. You know, she comes up and we're talking and he calls her out. He says, man, you've been with five men. This latest one ain't your husband. And and then she runs off, you know, to go tell the town about who he is. And here come the disciples like, you know, you're talking to that Samaritan woman. What's going on? Now, he could have been like, man, this woman's a mess. Five men, not not her husband. He could have told her, her her junk. It was truth, but they didn't need to know that. You know, it's like people say, well, they hide behind that. Well, it was, I, I told the truth. They're the ones in a mess. It's not like it's not like I'm I'm making something up. Yeah, but you're you're throwing gas on the fire, man. You're blowing it up. That's gossip. Next, next slide. Now we see here in 2 Corinthians, Paul, his letter, he says, For I'm afraid that when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid I will find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, disorderly behavior. So we see there are two different words, slander, gossip, slander, gossip. Slander is more when your heart is really set on creating the, 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 you really want it to be a mess. Or worse yet, you really want to hurt somebody. That's a hard issue. Slander is a hard issue. Slander is you, you kind of don't like this person, and then you hear something, and you go, oh, man, I'm telling everybody. Because I want their reputation tarnished. You know, and, and even in that, when, when now you're saved on this walk, your spirit man's still going to tell you, no, 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 love them. Don't go get involved in that. And that's a tough one because, you, man, your, your flesh once doesn't like somebody. I want that. I, oh, man, I want that information. I want that carrot, man. I can just hang out for them. Guess what I know about you? Because our flesh is messed up. It's hard. It, it really is. It's hard sometimes to walk forward in your spirit saying, I'm disregarding that. I don't even want to know. I don't want part of that conversation. It's a training exercise. It really is. Because we are naturally drawn to it. We want to know the gossip. And it becomes something where you really have to train yourself to say, at the end result, you, you have to shift your focus. Your spirit man will, will do a very good job of shifting your focus from a current satisfying the flesh to I see the end result. Your spirit man is very good at saying this. What's, what's the end result of this going to be, Jay? If you do this now, let's think. Think ahead a week or two. What's going to be the end result? And you're like, probably not good. Uh, probably not going to. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. The Holy Spirit's a very good teacher. It's one of the things he's great at, teaching us. And he'll use that. He'll say, when you get involved, and all of a sudden you blow something up, and you're like, gosh, I should just keep my mouth shut. Holy Spirit say, did I not try to tell you? I tried to tell you. Now you're going to learn. Next time, don't get yourself involved. Steer clear. And, you know, sometimes we, we also say stuff like, didn't really hurt anybody. We, we kind of hide just, you know, okay, I, I, 
I made up one or two, big deal. Is it really that big a deal? Next slide. Is it? Hmm. Jesus told him in Matthew 12, 33, 37, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good, produ a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. See, there's, there's scriptures like that that I think people don't want to read. They, doesn't the Bible just say love? It says that, but it also says stuff like that. That you're going to give an account for every idle word you speak. Do you think getting involved in gossip and making things up and just twisting stories and sharing things that you told you would keep secret, are they idle words? Yes. Food for thought. All right, so we have gossip and slander. One of the big things that the, the spirit man will try to pull you away from, the flesh is still going to try to draw you into. The next one I, I talked about a little bit ago is forgiveness. And you can spend an entire series on forgiveness. I mean, it's all over the place. And I, I hit on it earlier, but just to retouch, and again, started in Proverbs. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. In Psalm 32.1, how blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Easiest question of the day. How many of y'all feel blessed because you know that God forgives you? That's a pretty warm, comforting feeling when you think the God of the universe that created me, the, the creator of heavens and earth, actually loves me enough to say, I forgive you. But we don't want to apply the same principle. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. We'll say on one side of our mouth that we just want to love, we love people, we want to love, we want to love. But the other side of our mouth will say, but they did this, this happened, but, but, but. Dwelling on it separates close friends, and that's true too. Let's be honest, when a friend or someone close to you hurts you, it's worse, right? It hurts worse. You feel worse about that. There's a much more anger, a much more division. You know, someone you don't know that well does it, you're kind of like, eh, I didn't know that well. You know, we kind of dismiss it. When someone close to you offends you, hurts you, it's the world, man. But this is pretty clear. Love prospers when that fault is forgiven, just like God does with you, and there's no one closer to you than him. So if he's able to right away go, you know what, just confess it and let's just move on. So it's a two-fold stance here. One side of it is, is on the person that does it. Your job is just to simply, just like the Bible tells you to do with the Lord, confess it and ask for forgiveness. Hey, I wronged you. Please forgive me. And then the other side of it is 
you need to do what the Bible says also. Say, you know what? You came and you confessed it. I forgive you. It's over. Love wins right there. Love absolutely wins. When you walk around, though, dwelling on it and letting it fester and build up, you start to separate, creating separation. And this is harder than even the gossip thing because, man, we are intricately built to have a grudge and hold on to things and build things up and we want to lash out. And you're not letting it go and forgiving if you're still going to other people telling them what the person did to you. If you're still going to go around to other people and go, and guess what they did to you? You know what they did? You haven't let it go. You haven't forgiven them, have you? you that same feeling that you, that just people that just put your hands up, and you, know, you had that feeling, I know God forgive me. Don't you want that other person to have that same feeling when you forgive them? That's not on the same level as God. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, but I mean, how good does it feel when a friend or someone for really forgives you? It, hum, it humbles you. You feel, you feel kind of, but it's, it's such a good feeling to know, man, this person, like, they really forgive me. Like, I, I screwed up, and they still were willing to love me instead of just holding it over me and saying, I, well, you owe me and all this stuff. You know, the Bible's pretty clear on that. We're, we're bad with that, too. 1 Corinthians 13, talking about love keeps no record of right and wrong. We have a tendency to have the scale. Well, you wronged me here, so I owe you one. Oh, you, you wronged me a lot worse than I did you, so the scale's still tipped. I, I still owe you a couple. I mean, we want to put everything on. God doesn't do that. And he's asking us not to do that. Genuine forgiveness. Like, genuine forgiveness is so hard. Your spirit man wants it so badly because he knows that in that forgiveness there's freedom. Not for them, for you. The freedom's for you. And here's, I mean, we, we, we get a mess, okay? My wife hurts me. I, I let that build up. Ray hurts me. I build that up. Don Ward says something like, build it up. And I'm walking around, and I got all this built up. And before you know it, all three parts of you are just an absolute mess. We got anxiety, stress, blood pressure starts shooting up. And all of a sudden, you start saying, oh, I got to go to the doctor. I got to find pills. I got to do all this stuff. It's like, a lot of times I think the healing would come if you would just literally walk out what the Bible says. You start letting go of things and forgiving people genuinely, your health would go. That's why as much as... Counseling is good because counseling allows you to get stuff out. But you're also telling it to a stranger. 
lot of times that stuff needs to go to the person that you're holding the stuff against. We become very, it's, it's tough. We, we, we don't want to have tough conversations anymore. We'd rather do it on Facebook. And the Bible's pretty clear on that too. I read that last time. I didn't put it in the slide, but go to your brother. Talk. Tell them what, what offended you. Tell them they hurt you. And if they respond negatively, Bring a couple friends next time. Bring two more people from the church and say, hey, I just, like, you hurt me. And we want to restore this. And they still don't want it? Like, it, it's pretty, the Bible's pretty clear on saying you bring people from the church. And then if they really are, are so hardened against you and so rep, non-repentant, then you, it's like you can say, okay, well then, we're not, I'm not going to be around you anymore. We don't, have, we don't want to have tough conversations anymore. We're so prideful and so never wanting to be wrong that we don't want to have tough conversations or admit we're wrong. I've had to make some tough conversations in the past. You know, your, your spirit man will provoke you to seek out people you've wronged. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. And then it's up to your soul to say, okay, let's do this thing. But your flesh ain't going to want to do it. Your flesh is like, nope. Mm -mm. And that's what it is. That's what kicks in. Pride kicks right in. Your spirit man starts making this good walk, and pride's going to rise up. Hold up. I ain't willing to let this thing go that quick. Because it'll convince you if, you if you, see, this is where our word works. If you apologize, you're weak. You're not a man. You're admitting you're wrong. We can go on forgiveness all day. Next slide. Just one more, or two more on forgiveness. If you, Lord, were to keep account of guilty deeds, Lord, who could stand? <laughs> but there's forgiveness with you so that you may be revered. So think about it. How many of us in here could stand before the Lord if he didn't offer forgiveness and say, I don't need forgiveness from you, Lord? Anybody? Okay, that's good. I didn't see any hands. That's good. It's the same way with each other. No one can stand in front of anybody else in here and say, I haven't wronged anybody. We all need forgiveness from each other let alone the Lord. So imagine holding the same standard, that first line. If you were to keep account of guilty deeds, who could stand in front of you? You know anybody in your life that's never, ever said anything wrong or doesn't need forgiveness? Anybody? No one can stand in front of each other sin-free, guilt-free, shame-free. So be like the Lord and be quick to forgive, quick to move on, quick to just let those things die in love. And there's no excuse. Final slot on forgiveness. 
Mark 11.25, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you for your offenses. Ouch. So, I mean, if I don't forgive, I don't receive. Sowing and reaping. Sow forgiveness, reap forgiveness. In Luke 17.3.4, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, he shall forgive you. I, I, I went a little deeper on that one in a like, couple studies last night. It's, it's really saying, because really when you read this, you're starting to think of somebody that's just, they're not genuine, they're just basically saying, well, I know they're going to forgive me, so huh, forgive me. Huh, they can want to hurt you again. This is really what this is saying, is someone that's genuinely just, just is messing up, they're trying, they really are trying. And they hurt you, and they come back and say, oh, my God, I did it again. I'm so sorry. Like, their heart really is trying. They're fighting the good fight to try to get right, but they keep messing up. I know it's a fine, fine line. But if someone genuinely comes to you saying, man, I know I hurt you, and I'm trying, I'm really blah, blah, you need to forgive them. How many times? And what's seven in the Bible? Anybody? Biblical scholars? Completion, yes. Jesus is speaking kind of symbolically here. Seven is the completion. Just keep, just keep forgiving. Keep, keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. For your sake. Not their sake. Their sake, their sake too, but I mean. Gossip, slander, forgiveness, battle between the spirit and, and um, flesh, and the last one, holiness. Hebrews twelve fourteen pursue, pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness without which, without which no one will see the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.9, Jesus who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. That's another one of those biblical lines that should kind of make you step back for a second. That one on the right? I should have put eight in there because it's, it's like it's one big sentence broken up in, into two. Um, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We're called to live a holy life. And again, this is another thing this day and age where we, we kind of just say like, ah, you know, it's all forgiven, it's all good. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. The Bible says, God told us, be holy because I'm holy. I want you to be more like me. I'm trying to form you. Did you okay. Who agrees that a biblical principle you can say that we are supposed to be more like Jesus? Okay. Okay. Did Jesus sin? So if that's the goal, 
That should be the goal. And it's easy to sit back and say, okay, well, we're not perfect. We're going to sin. Yes. But the goal, the goal should be not to. Just like in sports, the goal every year is to what? Win the championship. Does everyone win the championship? No. But is that the goal for every team? Yes. Do they strive for that goal? Yes. Do some fall short? Yes. But the goal should remain the same. The goal shouldn't be, well, I don't mind if I come in eight. I don't mind if I sin a little bit. I'm not going to hurt anybody. That shouldn't be the goal. And this, again, comes back to a heart issue most of the time because when your spirit man is alive and, and living and well, it's saying, I, it doesn't want anything to do with sin. It doesn't. It's over here going, don't, no, it's going to start being louder to you. Like, not want to be around it, not want to be involved in it, not want to, get, you know. And your flesh, though, is still just in a rage going like, hey, satisfy me. I'm literally over here. It's been like a month. Let's go, you know. And it can be very, it's, it's, it is very difficult. Because, again, here's your soul going like, oh, I do have feelings over here. I do have emotions over here. And I, I do, I like, ah. And you start to want to drown that spirit. Like, ah, come on, you know, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And you start making, just, you start going down this avenue of lies and starts, you know, like, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's going to be okay. Uh, I can just repent later. I can just ask for forgiveness. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to satisfy this thing. Next slide. I want to. This is where it all. This is where it all. Boom. Bigger font. I broke this up too. Hebrews 10, 26 to 31. Let's carefully read this first line. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversary. Sinning willfully. When you are saved, there should no longer ever be a thing of sinning willfully. If you mess up, if you, if you do something, okay, there's grounds in place that says, okay, Lord, forgive me, I confess my sin, okay, you're forgiven. But if you're in your mind saying, I still plan on doing that, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to keep on living the way I'm doing. I'm good, I went to an altar once. Verse 25, or 8, anyone who has ignored the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of, testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled under, underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Now, that ignored the uh, law of Moses. 
I think it's Deuteronomy 7, 17. Um, I mean, if you, okay, this ha sin happened over here. Someone, you, you caught someone, they were uh, with a medium. They were, they were doing a thing, you know, using a medium to try to reach God or whatever. And you saw that. You could say, hey, Hector and Andrew, right? Anthony, sorry. Come here, guys. Watch this. And look at that. And you guys saw it, and we went back to the council and said, guess what we saw? They'd say, all three of you saw it? Yep. Put them to death. Three witnesses saw it. That's all it took. Three witnesses. Two or th Well, actually, I think it was two or three. Yeah, to come and say, this is what we saw. That's all it took. So now what we're saying is, you're taking the Son of God, the ultimate judge, the ultimate everything that died for you, that wants to forgive you, love you, do all these good things for you. And you're going you're gonna to trample on that grace? You're going you're gonna to try to abuse that grace when he comes and says, you know, I want to I forgive you and I'll lead, I want to lead you to a holy life. I want to lead you on a path of righteousness. I want to lead you down this path. You're going to be like, you just want to stop on the first time. Oh, you saved me? Okay, I'm good. Now I want to continue living my life how I want to live. And again, that gives it back the difference between is he Savior and is he Lord? If you only see him as a savior, you're just gonna just gonna keep living your life under the assumption, well, he's gonna forgive me anyway. But if you see him as savior and Lord, you want to live for him because he died for you. Last two verses, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He's the one, not you, not me, not the Pope. They're not going to decide your eternal God is. Is it worth it to really to take chances and saying, you know what, I'm going to keep sinning willfully? I, I think God will still save me. I think. I'm telling you, your flesh man is going to call you to holiness. In your, I mean, your spirit man is going to call you to holiness. And your flesh man is going to fight you every step of the way. And your flesh man will try every line, lie in the book to pull you right back in. So what did the, what did the devil do to Jesus? What did he try to do? He tried to manipulate the word. You don't think he still tries that today? You don't think for a second when you say, 
you start being tempted to walk into this sin that the devil's going to be like, it's okay. You're saved, remember? You're saved. Let's go. Come on, man. The devil's been doing his thing for how long? He's good at it. I just, this, oh, it's been in my spirit anyway. When we live this life, who, who, who plays video games? It's okay. <laughs> no, no one's, it's okay. I, I used to play them a ton. Man. Like, I mean, who used to, who used to has ever played video games? Okay, that's better. All right. Now, a lot of video games, the premise in the game is you, you're collecting, like, stuff as you go along, Right? Your character, you're collecting a lot of, like in uh, war games and stuff, you're collecting weapons and ammo and stuff, right? Different weapons. And certain things are more powerful to use later. So you don't want to use them right off the bat, right? You, you know, because later in this game, I'm going to face some big-time enemies. I'm going to save them for that. You don't want to waste your, your most powerful weapon early in the game, correct? Correct? Hunter, correct? Okay. Thank you. Now, illustrate to get through life. When we're going through life, and this starts unfortunately at an early age because the enemy doesn't care about your age. You start making bad decisions at early on in life. It's like you're just putting notches on your enemy, on the enemy's belt. Oh, man, I found out they like this. Oh, that's easy temptation for them. Oh, they'll fall for that? Okay. And they're watching you. And you make a bad decision here, the enemy knows. You made a bad decision here, the enemy knows. Oh, they like alcohol? Oh, I'm going to Oh, they fall into temptation with sexual sin? And what you've done, you've created a kind of a list for the enemy to use against you the rest of your life. Oh, they... Oh. Real stuff, people. Spirit world. The enemy will watch you and, and monitor you, and, and he knows. How many of y'all have fallen into the same sin over and over and over? That's not just by chance. So you fall into it over and over. The enemy's he's got it. Okay. What your spirit man now wants to do, now that he's alive and well, he wants to start putting arsenal in the, in the collection. You pick up a scripture here. You pick up a scripture there. You pick up a prophecy here. You pick up something there. And all of a sudden, you start knowing scripture. And you start using scripture. Those are weapons for your spirit man in, the, in its belt. Follow me? So now you're walking through life, and you get saved, and you're like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to live holy, and you're walking up, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes in and says, I know what they'll fall for. And now your spirit man rises up and says, ah, we got, we got something for that. And you just start scripture, boom, no weapon for me against me will prosper. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. Like, you start... Your spirit man has, now you have weapons. You have weapons to use to defeat the enemies. Now, sometimes you start feeling weak. You start feeling down. You start feeling, oh, God, I'm going to give in. I'm going to give up. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm losing the battle. I'm losing. And all I can, don't give up while you still have weapons at your disposal. Going back to the video game illustration, 
You know, let's say you, 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 you get this one weapon, it's just like, it's crazy good. It's like the most best thing you can get in the game. It's going to wipe out an entire thing. And you're just holding on to it and holding on to it, thinking, I'm going to need it soon, I'm going to need it soon, sometime, and I'm not going to use it yet, I'm not going to use it yet, and all of a sudden you get wiped out, and you're like, I had that weapon, I didn't use it. Same way with Scripture. You have the most powerful thing you can arm yourself with. Don't give up the fight without using the most powerful weapon you have. Don't give the enemy victory without using your weapons. This thing is a sword, it says in the spirit. It is a sword. It is the best, most powerful weapon that you can use. Don't lose the battle without using your best weapon. Because sometimes we get frantic. We just want to reach out to friends. Man, I'm going through this. And that's good. I'm not, I'm not by any means saying that because we do. We need each other. But sometimes you need to stand and fight. You need to pull out the sword and fight. Someone else can fight for you. But the enemy will see that and go, I just got to wait to get him alone. The friend's with him now, but they're not always going to be with him. He'll isolate you. He'll find the time to isolate you. And then it's go time. You don't pull that sword out, you're getting beat. And I, I did this illustration on if you are here with Jeff Paul. Jeff's not here today, is he? He's a, he's a rough looking dude. Isn't he? Hunter, stand up for a second. Hunter's not rough looking. Well, Hunter's got muscles where I don't have muscles. I mean, you know. If I was to say, like, I'm going to fight Hunter, and everyone in here was going to start, everyone here is like, oh, man, I'm going to start placing bets on that. Hunter's probably going to get most of the money put on him. And I'm fine saying that. But here's the, here's the challenging part. If I 100% know that Hunter won't throw a punch, if he says, let's fight, but I'm not going to throw one punch at you, I'm just going to play defense. I'm just going to play defense. And I start coming, and he's defending, he's defending, he's defending. But if in my mind I know he's not going to throw one punch, eventually what? Eventually, I'm going to get shots in. He can play defense all day, but I can rest for a couple seconds and keep coming back. If I have absolutely no doubt in my mind he's not going to throw one punch back at me, eventually I'm landing a blow or two, Right? I'm going to hurt him eventually because he's not even, he's not fighting back. He's not trying to fight me off. You can sit down, thanks, brother. And what I'm saying there in the spirit is the enemy is going to come at you and come at you and at you. And if, if all you're doing is going, oh, I'm just going to keep playing defense, keep playing defense, it's going to keep taking it, going to keep taking it. Eventually, he's landing some blows. If you don't pull this sword out and fight back, He's going to wear you down. He's going to defeat you. He's going to bleed you out. He's going to bruise you up. You have to go on the offensive. You have to take initiative with this thing and fight back. He might look like the baddest dude on the, on the block. The enemy comes at you, man. Oh, no. That's a bad dude. And guess what? It's true. In your own power, in your own might, you don't stand a chance. You don't. That's the truth. But you got a weapon. 
And this weapon can be used for your good. The enemy is going to try to twist it up and use it for your bad. Final, final scripture or, or uh, slides. I want to use this one. Yeah. Second Corinthians six fourteen through sixteen actually trickles over into seven one. Do not be joined together with those who do not belong to Christ. How can that which is good get along with that which is bad? How can light be in the same place with darkness? How can Christ get along with the devil? How can one who has put his trust in Christ get along with those who have not put their trust in Christ? How can the house of God get along with false gods? We are the house of the living God. God has said, I will live in them and will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Next slide. The Lord has said, so come out from among them. Do not be joined to them. Touch nothing that is sinful, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters, says the all-powerful God. Um, and then continues right into verse, or, uh, verse 1, chapter 7. Since we have these great promises, dear friends, let us turn away from every sin of the body of the, or of the Spirit. Let us honor God with love and fear by giving ourselves to him in every God's, I mean, or Jesus is saying right there, I don't patch yourself with darkness. Now, did, you know, because you hear people say, well, didn't Jesus die with sinners? Yes. But did he become part of them? Did he, like, just stay there? No. He went, he did dinner, dined with them, showed who he was, and then moved on. That's what we're to do. Are we, are we living among sinners? Yes. But the key thing is, be the light for them. Be the light for them. Don't stay and dwell there. Because we all can be, <laughs> we all know. It's, the more time you spend around the sin, the darkness, the more likely you are to become the you be the light, you shine the light, give the truth, get away. You know, and I, that just, I almost wish the young people were here, but I'm going to, parents, with all, with everything going on this past week, parents, don't. Speak the truth to your kids. And I know sometimes you feel like it's, it's but listen, you are planting seeds in your kids. Don't ever doubt that you're not planting seeds. I don't care what they say, how they say it, how angry they are, resentful, or I don't, it's, it's going in there. It's down in there. And there's going to come a time when those kids are in a place and they're going to remember the words of my mom or my dad or my grandmother or my aunt that said that Jesus offered me hope and I need to find that hope. It might be years down the road. When I was 17, 18, there was people that was trying to pour into me. I did not want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. I was living my best life. But when it came to a point where I got dark and things were crumbling, I remembered that people were trying to offer me hope. I remembered those people. 
knew where to turn. My grandmother had taken me to church when I didn't want to go. I remembered what was spoken. Seeds, seeds from the Lord never, ever go to waste. They're never going to go to waste. You're not wasting your breath. You're not wasting your time. You're not, you've got to pour out into these kids. I don't care their what they're, you know, you say, I, I just can't do it anymore. They're not receiving any of it. Yes, their spirit man or woman is. It is. It might just be a little mustard seed that's that far down into their spirit. But eventually, some water's going to get on there. Might not be from you. Might not be from anybody you even expect. And Christine's heard me tell this. I don't know if I've ever heard this from church. But one of the women that poured into me that tried when I was like 19, 20. Tried and tried and tried. And I and I was downright, I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was nasty or mean to her, but I was pretty cold. I I I think I was I'd come in from Ohio, I was in I was cross I'll never forget this, I was in Frostburg Sheets. And there was a guy that was getting gas at the pump, and he was on crutches. He was on, he had a uh, cast. And I was like, I just want to go pray for this guy. And I went over to him, and I said, man, I just feel led to come over and pray for you. And he said, oh, man, please, yeah, yeah. So I'm praying with this guy at the gas pump. I get done, and I hear this voice on the other side of the gas pump. Jay Atkinson, blah, blah, blah. It was the same woman that tried 20 years before that said, I knew one day, I cannot believe, here it is, you are, you are praying for people, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and of course, right away, I felt like terrible, because I thought, man, I was so rude, and I thought, man, I'm so sorry back then, I didn't, you know, and she's like, not, she didn't think nothing of it at all. Like, you were a teenager, you didn't. But I told her, I said, you know, your, your words didn't fall void. Carried. Let's 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 stand. Um, I know it's it's COVID. I would really like for us to just kind of be a family today. Can we can we join? If you're not comfortable joining hands, by all means, don't. But if you if you are, can we join hands? I'm sorry, I'm going old school, and you know, I'm probably probably have to cut the feed because someone will have me in trouble. That crazy guy did yesterday. I just want to. I just want us to pray for each other. Like really, really pray for the person to your left and right. <laughs> um, because we need it. <clears throat> Our community needs healing. We all need. We need peace. We need joy. I 
think the greatest things we can, that's some of the greatest thing we can pray for each other is just the peace and joy of God to just fill us, just completely fill us. Because that's the one thing that in this time can do the job. It's not our words. It's not anything we can do. You, you can buy someone a lunch or a dinner or an ice cream. But the love and the peace of God to get down into someone's spirit is the only thing that can get down in there and fill it and bring restoration. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that Lord, that you pour out right now, Lord, just a love and a peace that's maybe some have never even felt before, Lord, that some have never experienced. A love and peace that fills our spirit, knowing, Lord, that you are God, you are in control, that we, we're nothing without you. Our next breath depends on you. And Lord, as we look around sometimes and we see, we see evil, we see wickedness, we see things that just are just so hard for us to read, hear, see. Lord, we have to just turn to you because if we don't, it consumes us. It drives us to a dark place, Lord, and we don't can't live there, Lord. We have to live where you, Lord, are, where peace is, where joy is. And Lord, sometimes there's times, there's periods where we, how do we find it? Where is it? But Lord, I know that these are things you promised us, Lord. You promised us peace beyond understanding. You promised us joy, Lord, in circumstances where there shouldn't be any. And Lord, let us just have a fresh awakening to our brothers and sisters around us, Lord, to just appreciate them, love on them, enjoy spending time together, not hold on to grudges, not stir up strife, not stir up any kind of just evil and deception and lies and drama. But Lord, let us just walk like you want us to walk, Lord, genuinely in love and joy with each other, Lord. Let us pray for each other. Let us encourage each other, speak life over each other, be there for each other. Or sometimes the easiest thing in the world to do is just go spend time with somebody. Doesn't mean you have to have all the magic words and all the right things, but just to be there, just your presence to be there. Lord, let us have a heart for each other. Lord, let us have a heart like you, Lord, that says, I just want to love you. I just want to be around you. I just want to spend time with you. I don't want to hold on to grudges. I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to judge you by your worst moment and hold this over your head the rest of your life. I want to erase the debt to move on in freedom. Lord, as we move today, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just you guide us this week into a whole other level of forgiveness and love and fellowship. Lord, clear our calendars, clear our time, clear our busyness, and allow us time, Lord, to, to truly enjoy each other as, as God's creation.